Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. Philippians, chapter number 4 this morning. Thank you so much for all the wonderful music and uh, your participation. Philippians, chapter number 4. Today, I'm going to speak to you on the uh, second uh, sermon of our series, A Beautiful Mind. It's a two-part series here. We, we started last week. And uh, we're going to finish up this week. And if you weren't here last week, uh, we'll review just a a moment. And uh, then we'll get into our message for today. We live in a unique era of history that literally uh, vibrates with stimulants and inundates us with choices. Some argued that uh, we have embraced previously unknown levels of stress including our inducers, and, that, uh, and that's why we struggle to cope. And so the truth of the matter is, is that many times in our lives we are faced with struggles, we're faced with stress, and, and uh, uh, we're, we're dealing with circumstances all the time, and we're wondering how, to, how do we overcome them? How do we uh, manage the situations that we're in? Truthfully, we do live in stressful times. We talked about that last week. And, and left unchecked, stress and its companion of worry overcome our thoughts and rule our emotions and uh, it compromises our health. And, and if we're not cautious and careful, the things that, that we are, are given and the, and the stress that we take and, and the worry that we take along with it can, can begin to affect our lives in a negative way. So what does God's Word tell us to do when the trials keep coming and it seems that we cannot win? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt, you know, I just, I can't win? You know, uh, it seems like I get through one circumstance in my life and then something else is right behind it. And I get through that circumstance in my life and something is right behind it. And we just feel like that we cannot win. We can't overcome. So how do we steward our thoughts when they attempt to control us? Last week we began this study in Philippians chapter number 4. And we found in verse 4 the instruction to rejoice in the Lord how often? Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. God does not give us a choice when to rejoice. Even when things are going great, we rejoice. When things are kind of mediocre, we rejoice. When things that feel like that our world is falling apart and we have no reason to rejoice, what should we do? Rejoice. In other words, we are to, and that was my first point last week, we're to think with praise. We're to think with praise. Our life and our thought patterns should be all about praise. We also looked at the directions in verse 5 to live lives of moderation. In other words, my second point last week was to think with poise. To think with poise. Moderation is our defense against the enemy's attack on our mind. The, the, the enemy is attacking our minds constantly. We talked about that, that he is the accuser of the brethren and, and he constantly attacks us and he, he's constantly putting these negative thoughts in our mind and constantly trying to discourage us. So how do we overcome it? Well, we are reminded as we spend time in God's presence, his peace seeps into our souls and wraps us in the secure confidence that he is on our side. He's on our side. The Bible says that we are more than what? We are more than conquerors. 
The Bible also tells us, as I've quoted to you many times, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Listen, God is on our side. He is for us. And if he is for us, who can be against us? So we we are reminded that we are to spend time in God's presence. Today we're going to explore three more thoughts from this passage of scripture that I believe will help us in guarding our minds. If you have your Bibles, would you stand with me to Philippians chapter number four? Philippians chapter number four, we're going to start reading in verse number four down through verse number eight to gather our thoughts for this morning. Philippians chapter number four, starting in verse number four, the Bible says this, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, what? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by what? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, what are we to do? Think on these things. Think on these things. Shall we pray together? Father, we love you. Lord, I pray that you'll bless the few moments of time that we have together today. Lord, today may we renew and refresh our minds. Lord, as we're faced with many obstacles and many circumstances, Lord, may we rely completely on you. May we, may we turn our train of thought. May we, may we tra- train our mind in a different way. Instead of becoming so overwhelmed, we change and we begin to think on these things. Lord, I pray that you'll give me clarity of thought and mind today. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of taking notes on the back of your bulletin, there's an outline if you'd like to follow along. Number one, uh, think with prayer. Last week we talked about think with praise. Then we talked about think with poise. So number three, basically, in this outline is think with prayer. Think with prayer. I believe with all my heart, prayer is the most powerful tool that a Christian has. Let me say that again because I don't think you believe me. Prayer is the most powerful tool that a Christian has. It is a powerful tool. And, and here's what we do, though. I think we sometimes abuse the tool because we get into these critical moments in our lives. And the first thing that we want to do is pray. We want to pray that God will see us through, that God will help us to overcome but whenever things are going great, whenever, whenever the finances are good, whenever the health is good, whenever everything is going great in our lives, we forget prayer. Are you with me? Prayer is not an emergency tool. Prayer is a constant tool. Prayer is something that we are supposed to inundate our lives with. Prayer is something that we are to live out day in and day out. Prayer is something that, that literally we stop and, and it not only is our needs, it's not only our wants, it's not only the things that we think we can get from God, but it's also the things that we can give to God. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? 
I, don't, I think that it brings God great pleasure when we brag on him. When we're thankful to him. Wednesday night we were teaching in the book of Revelation. And I was talking about this very fact. That many times we, we have no problem praying and asking God for something. And then when he answers it, we forget to thank him. I'm talking the simple things in life. I use the example of, of uh, going on a trip. You know, we get ready to go on vacation or go on a long trip for whatever circumstances. We get in our car, we all buckle up, and we pray. Lord, give us a great trip. Keep, keep everybody safe. Keep everybody around us safe. And then by the time we get there, what happens? We're ready to get out of the car. Let's go do our thing. Let's go enjoy life and have fun. Can I remind you, God is the one that got you there safe? Shouldn't we stop and thank Him for it? You see, it's that moment. Think with prayer. The poise that God desires for us to possess is not the result of stuffing our emotions away, pretending that life does not bother us. There, there are, uh, and, and I'm not going to get into the psychology of it all, but the, everybody's made up differently. And some people with their emotions and with stress and anxiety in their life, they, they pretend that everything is okay and that all is well in the world and, and they literally are, are stuffing away their emotions. Neither is it a calm manifestation of tight-lipped, clenched-jaw resolve. God does not ask us, listen to this, God does not ask us to ignore the cries of our heavenly burdened souls. He simply asks us to bring those burdens and stresses to Him. Now, I want to be very cautious here because I know you've been taught a lot of things in your life if you've been in church. But I think, as I've told you before, there are some things in our lives that I believe are not biblical. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That is a fishing term. You take a rod and a reel, and what do you do? You cast the line to catch the fish. You cannot catch the fish unless you're holding the pole. If you cast it and you let go of it, you're going swimming after it. I think we've been taught that we're to cast our care on God and give everything to Him and just let it go. I don't believe that's what God said. I believe God says you still have your burden. You say, Pastor, I don't think that's biblical. Then how is it that He says bear one another's burdens? That is an action word. We are to do it. What did he ask us to do? He did not ask us to ignore our problems or to ignore our burdened souls. He simply asked to give those burdens and to bring those burdens and those stresses to him and allow him to work out the details. Our job is to continually rely on him and take every step in the path that he gives to us. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In, verse, in this verse, God uses three different words in reference to prayer. He uses the word prayer. He uses the word supplication. And He uses the word requests. All three of these have different meanings. The word prayer in this passage is translated in the Greek as a generic term used for the action of prayer. 
In other words, it's addressing God. It's prayers that are addressed to God. It's a place set apart or suited for the offering of prayer. It reminds us of the general action of prayer. God says that we are to pray. We're to do it. So he talks about prayer. And then secondly, he talks about supplication. This is a very interesting word. The word supplication comes from the Greek word translated a seeking or an asking or entreating God. It speaks, are you listening? It speaks of persistence and urgency in prayer. And it implies seeking, asking, and entreating Whenever we get into circumstances, yesterday was a perfect example of a circumstance where literally you did not know what the outcome was going to be. And as you sat around and you waited and waited and waited, and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, what were we doing? There was an urgency about it. What were we doing? We were seeking, we were seeking God. We were seeking God and asking Him and entreating of Him. But here's the truth, and I want you to understand this very clearly and, and, and understand it uh, with all your heart and mind. I don't know the will of God. And I can't change the will of God. What I have to do is pray in the will of God. That's entreating, it's urgency. And then there is the word request. It's from the Greek word translated petition, request, or required. It is about the actual petitions that we offer to God. While these three terms are not so much a theology of prayer, they do emphasize a specific need in our lives. We all have the need to invoke God's action by specific and consistent prayer. By specific and consistent prayer. Prayer. I believe with all my heart that as a Christian, prayer is not a one-time thing. Prayer is a consistent action in our lives. Letter A, we are to request without worry. We are to request without worry. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, God specifically commands us, be careful for nothing. That word careful is pretty uh, self-defining. It means uh, that full of care. The word nothing literally means that not even one thing. So, be careful for nothing is a command forbidding even the smallest amount of worry. Now we're all going to sit back and go to the altar, right? How many of us, if we were truthful with one another, don't raise your hand, how many of us said we've worried at one time in our lives? I mean, we worry. That's what we do. We get concerned and we worry about things. But the Bible says, be careful for nothing. However, uh, we, we, in reality, we, we can't live without worry. This is a natural tendency of our minds is exceedingly detrimental to our faith. Anxiety takes our thoughts captive, playing its faulty script over and over in our minds. Anxiety is a real problem in our world, and maybe even in your own life. Anxiety literally can take our thoughts captive, playing over and over in our minds. Now I want to tell you something, and I don't want you to be mad at me this morning, but in reality, when you really think about it, anxiety is nothing but a form of pride. 
You see, it stems from the erroneous conviction that we are responsible for the outcome of the circumstances that in reality are quite often beyond our control. The illusion of control will always develop anxiety. When you feel like that you have to be in control of the circumstances, when you feel like that you have to be in control of the outcome, that is literally just a form of pride. Because the truth is, is that we are not in control of anything. We're not in control of it. This week on two different occasions, I stood with a doctor as he began to explain all the details of surgery and all the complications that can go along with it. And as the doctors leave the room and give all the wonderful news, now it's the pastor's job to pray. And as I stood there with both of these that young man and that young lady and their families, I reminded them of something. That as educated as that doctor is, as great as the technology is as they wheeled him into that OR room, as wonderful as the nurses and the anesthesiologists and all those are, if I could pull back heaven, I would show you a hand of God. That's guiding every portion. Listen to me, church. Are you ready for this? You ready for this? This is where it gets fun. Do you know God doesn't only live in the OR room? Do you know if you pull the windows back of your bank, there's God's hand. If you pull the windows back in your home, there's God's hand. If you pull the windows back in your family life, there's God's hand. If you pull the windows back in your workplace, there's God's hand. There it is. What do we have to do? We have to claim Him. We just have to claim Him. Listen, don't be anxious. Don't be worried because God's hand has not been removed. You say, Pastor, can you prove that? Yes, because I'm standing here this morning because if God's hand had been removed, I'd already be in heaven because He would have already returned. God's hand has not been removed. It's not been removed. Listen to me, church. We live in a world full of grace and mercy given by Christ Jesus. And God is in control. So be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Because God is still in control. If you believe that you can or should be able to work through every situation that enters in your life, you will live with anxiety. But I want to tell you something. Life is bigger than we are. Life is bigger than we are. We, we may at times relate to poor Charlie Brown. This is what Charlie Brown said. I also worry about my worrying. And then exclaim, my anxieties have anxiety. You ever feel that way? Be anxious for nothing. I love Psalm 56.3. You should have this on your refrigerator. You should have this on your bathroom mirror. You should have this on your car when you go to crank it up. What time... I am afraid. I will trust in 
thee. I will trust in thee. God gives you the cure to worry. He says, let your requests be made known unto God. We simply bring our concerns to the Lord in prayer, confessing to Him our concerns and sharing with Him our grief. Let her be. I've got to hurry. Request with thanksgiving. Request with thanksgiving. This is a very interesting progression of events here in this passage of Scripture. Worry corrodes our faith. Gratitude strengthens it. That This is why when God told us to bring Him every concern, He included the word with thanksgiving. We're always going back to that, that, that think with praise, with thanksgiving. Our needs change and our emotions fluctuate, but Jesus is always constant. He is always worthy of our thanks. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18. In everything give thanks. For this, I love this, for this is the suggestion of God. No, that's not what it says. For this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Number two, think with peace. Think with peace. So, so if I had think with praise, think with poise, think with prayer, and now think with peace. Think with peace. In the midst of our chaos, God extends peace, the most needful commodity of our circumstances. We usually think that our need is a change in circumstances. We, we like to change our circumstances, or we like to repair a relationship, or we like to escape from the emergencies. But our greatest need is peace with God. Sometimes God provides these comfortable answers, but still, time and patience are required before answers are finally realized. Thankfully, whatever the answer, God promises peace through the problems. God promises peace through the problems. First of all, it's a heavenly design. Peace is a heavenly design. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? There are two kinds of peace. There are peace with God, and there is the peace of God. Two totally different things. Peace with God is established at the moment of salvation. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you got peace with God. You're no longer troubled by the enemy. You now have the peace with God. And you know, everything is settled and everything between you and God is great. Peace with God. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God, though, is just the beginning of our relationship with Him. There are many Christians who have peace with God, but do not have the peace of God. Most of us have been there at one time or another, where we had peace with God, but we certainly did not have the peace of God. The peace of God, listen to me, is available if we keep our minds fixed on Christ. His peace calms our souls and steadies our emotions. When you have the peace of God in your life, when you know that God is in control, we talked about the sovereignty of God last week, when we know that God is in control of everything, that He is sovereign, and that He knows every single answer in our life, it can steady our emotions. You know why? Because we realize that we are not in control, that God is in control. That we don't have the circumstances in our hands, but God has the circumstances in His hands. And I want to remind you of something that I think sometimes we don't understand, is that any way that God answers a prayer is the right answer. Right? 
Many times I've been to hospital rooms and, and, and the family will say, God, our, our pastor, please pray that God will heal them. I believe God answers that prayer whether he physically heals them or whether he takes them home to be with him. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Because if he physically heals them and they raise up and they live their lives longer, there will still come a moment in their life where they will pass from this life to the next. But if he takes them home, he's healed them permanently. You see, there's a peace of God. There's the peace of God. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. He trusteth in thee. Just as with the choice to think with praise, we cannot fix our minds on Christ without filling our minds and hearts with the word of God. We often stagger through our crisis without the peace of God because we simply do not pause to search for it in the word of God. God's peace, and I really want you to get this, is only a promise away. God's peace is only a promise away. Letter B, peace is a helpful design. It's a heavenly design, and it's a helpful design. You say, Pastor, what do you mean it's a helpful design? With great determination, the enemy attacks our minds, and with an arsenal of powerful weapons like doubt, Despair, frustration, fear, confusion, overwhelmed thinking, worry, depression, anger. He uses them all and more. But can I tell you that we have a defense against every single one of them. What is our defense? Philippians chapter 4 verse number 7. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep what? Your hearts and your minds through Christ. Jesus. The phrase shall keep is a very interesting phrase. It's a military term meaning shall mount guard. God's peace is not a dormant asset. It's not an emotional luxury available simply to make us feel better. It is literally an active release of God's power to guard our minds from the enemy's onslaught. It is a military term. He shall keep He will protect us. He will protect our hearts and He will protect our minds. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 15, the Bible says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Rule in your hearts. This weapon is released as we make the decision to obey God's directive to let His peace rule in our hearts. As we turn our worries over to the Lord in prayer, the natural outcome is that peace protects our minds. Peace protects our minds. Number three, and I'm done. Think with purity. Think with purity. Think with praise. Think with poise. Think with prayer. I forgot my fourth one. Peace, thank you. Think with purity. I just preached on it. See, that's terrible. Think with purity. Think with purity. Now, this is where it all culminates. Are you ready? The final prescription for guarding our hearts is to rebuild rebuild our thinking processes. It's to rebuild our thinking processes. Once our minds are refreshed and renewed through the scriptures, the only way to remain protected from the continual assault of anxiety and stress is to think properly going forward. It's a change in our minds. It is deciding that we are going to think with purity and not with anxiety. 
So what's the description of pure thoughts? Let me give them to you quickly, and I promise I'll be quick. We may not be able to control some of the external pressures or stresses in our lives, but we can choose what thoughts we allow to hold, to take hold of our minds. We can, we can control that. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8, we read it. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Let me tell you what they mean really fast. What does the word true mean? It means that we are we're to think on the things that are true, that are loving the truth, speaking the truth, that are true in character. The Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Set you free. There, truth is a very important element in the Christian life. Many people will try to confuse, and many people will try to disrupt our lives with falseness. Listen to me. You need to make sure what people say is the truth before you begin to think on them. There have been many churches that have disbanded because of falseness. Because of lies that have been said. Because what we need to do is we need to know the truth. And then when we know the truth, we need to try the truth. And then when we try the truth, we need to make sure that everything lines up before we begin to think on that. Because if not... It will disrupt our minds. It will disrupt our families. It will disrupt our church. It will disrupt, disrupt your life. And then when the truth finally does come out, if you believe the lie for so long, then you are hurt even worse. Because not only are you hurt because you've been told a lie, but you're hurt because that you've shared that. Whatsoever things are true. It's very interesting to me that he not only stops there, he goes to the next word and he says honest. Think on these things. To revere. This is someone that has character. Someone that's honorable or something that's honorable. Something that has character. Think on those things. Something that's true. Something that's honest. Something that's just, righteous, upright, approved by God. Just. Pure. Free from carnality, chaste, modesty, clean. We, we are to live our lives with pure thoughts. The enemy wants nothing more than to disrupt our thinking patterns with filth. I'm going to say it this way and I'm going to move on. Be careful what you put in. Because what you put in can overtake you. Purity. Pure thoughts. What sort of things are lovely, acceptable, pleasing, winsome, amiable? These are the things that are lovely. Think on those things. And then those that are of a good report. Those that are sounding well, highly regarded, well thought of. This six-part outline is to be a filter for our thinking. Biblical thinking is the outflow of a mind stayed in that which is true, honest, pure, lovely, and a good report. So how do we develop those pure thoughts? Let me give it to you and I'm done. The development of pure thoughts. How do we develop pure thinking patterns? The key is found in one simple word. Think. You say, wait a minute, I'm confused. The Bible says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what's the next word? Think on these things. 
So how do we develop pure thoughts? We think. We change our thought patterns from thinking about anxiety and thinking about stress and thinking about the negativity of life and begin to think on these things. If our minds are to be filled with pure thoughts, it will be through deliberate choice. And that is why God used the word think. It's deliberate. It's on our our part. To think, you ready for this, requires concentration of focus. It requires meditation and consideration. We are to switch the stressful thinking that we have allowed to flood our minds into biblical thinking that will shape our thoughts according to God's will. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Listen. And bringing into what? Captivity. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Too often we get that verse turned around and let anxiety take us captive. God's prescription for peace, however, requires that we turn the tables. We must choose to examine the thoughts that enter our minds, sifting them through the filter of Philippians 4.8. This series of messages contains truth that you've probably heard before. However, it is imperative that we move beyond knowing these truths to actually applying these truths in our lives. You see, the enemy tries to disrupt our thought patterns. We have to deliberately allow God to intersect. And we need to think on these things. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you so much for listening.